Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you, like actually see you in the house, seeing some faces that I haven't seen in a while. So it's good to see you guys. Um, And I want to welcome all of you that are watching online, too. We love you so much and um, are glad that you're joining us on Church Online today. Um, So Mel and the girls went to his family reunion, and they got up in about midnight last night. So I am preaching this weekend and I'm honored to get to teach. Um, But I want to make a few announcements before I do that. Uh, I know in the announcement video, they already talked about Growth Track Online. So I just kind of want to update you on that. We plan to keep Growth Track Online through the summer. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not already on a team, um, to get involved in serving at Summit. And so you can do so by going to Growth Track um, on the website and signing up there. You can, you know, binge watch it, do whatever you want. But um, And then if you are not comfortable yet still coming to church, we have a team for you. Um, we would love for you to join our church online team. And so we need hosts and would love for you to join that team so you can do that as well by going through Growth Track online. And then next weekend, there will be no 6.30 service. So we will have a 4.30 and then the 9 and 11 on Sunday. But due to July 4th, we will not be having a 6.30 service. And then for those of you in the room today, um, and maybe this is your first weekend here, we're so glad that you've joined us. Um, Kind of what the process is for dismissal is um, I'll dismiss the online audience at the end, and then I'll dismiss you here in the room. And so um, we just ask you to hang tight and not go out those center doors, um, and we'll be giving you instruction here at the end of service today. And then Steph, she had the amazing announcement of the $10,000 for Jed and Julie and for OKC City Center. But I get to announce that we have officially paid off a $1.2 million um, through our RIP medical debt. And so we have eradicated $1.2 million in 14 Western PA counties. And so thank you for your generosity. Um, It's life-changing for people not to get those phone calls anymore. And so I'm so thankful for you guys. Well, we have um, been in a series called Welcome Home. And so if you haven't been here or maybe you um, haven't gotten caught up online, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the first two messages that Pastor Mel brought. Um, It's been such a good series. And today is our final week of this series. Um, But I... um, just kind of want to give you some background as as to where we've gone with this series. So basically, we just believe that every home has a culture. Every home has the unspoken rules and the spoken rules of what you do and you do not do when you belong to this family. And um, even the house of God has a culture. It has a feel, and there's some things in place to help protect you and, and help you function. And so Mel talked about in week one how in the house of God, you find family. So you find the family of choice. Maybe you have a broken blood family. Maybe you just don't like your blood family. Um, Maybe you don't have family at all, but in the house of God, uh, you find family by choice. 
Um, last week, Mel talked about the story of Jacob and how um, God changed his uh, vi- came to him in a vision, and um, God spoke to Jacob and, and transformed his dreams, uh, gave him a new name, and just radically changed Jacob's life. And um, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to that. kind of gives the, the backstory for this week's message. But Jacob renamed the place he encountered God Bethel, which means the house of God. And so it is our greatest desire that when when you come into the house of God, that you meet with God, um, that you have an encounter with God that that changes um, your perception of Him, that 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 causes you to dream His dreams and to realize that your name has been changed. And so today, I'm going to talk about how Bethel, the house of God, um, ended up becoming Beth Haven, a house of deceit, and then turned back into Bethel. Um, but the way we relate this personally is, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I have been headed on the right track. But then I made some missteps, and maybe I was following God, but, but I let different things creep into my life, and I took a detour and said, I don't know how I ended up here. How many of you have ever said that? I don't know how I ended up here. And really, this is what we're going to talk about today is the process of returning to God. And so just to give you some history of Jacob... Um, really briefly. Um, in Genesis chapter 8, we find that Jacob is on the run from his brother Esau, who Jacob had stolen his birthright from Esau. Esau was ticked off. He had plans to kill Jacob. So Jacob made a beeline away from um, his home. And we pick up where Mel preached last week that he has this encounter with God in the city of Luz, who he renames to Bethel House of God and had a fresh vision that changed everything. And then he falls in love with this woman named Rachel. And scripture is very clear that um, Rachel was his favorite wife. Um, how many of you are thankful that, that your husband does not have more than one wife? Hopefully not. And if you do, we can talk afterwards. But, um, but it was very clear in scripture. And so, of course, when you have a favorite wife, there comes a lot of drama in the household. But basically, Jacob served seven years to be able to marry Rachel. His father-in-law tricked him, gave him Leah, the older sister, instead. And Leah was not the cream of the crop. And so Jacob was really upset. He served served Laban seven more years to marry Rachel, and then he had them both. Um, They had family. I'm not going to go into all the drama, but there was a lot. And at one point, um, Jacob decides, hey, I have this big family now. I have some livestock. Let's Let's go back to my homeland. Let's return. And um, Laban wasn't having it. He wasn't thrilled with that idea because Jacob was, it would hurt his business um, if Jacob left. And so they made a deal and uh, Laban was pretty upset. And uh, so they made this deal and Laban thought he was getting the better end of the stick. Um, But Jacob ended up getting the better deal and became very, very wealthy. 
So again, Laban was not happy once again that Jacob was flourishing. So Jacob says in chapter 31, he reveals this plan to his wives and his family. Hey, we're going to leave. We're going to go without Laban knowing, and we're going to go back to Bethel because he was always supposed to go back to Bethel. Um, And so they left without telling Laban. They were fleeing from him and his favorite wife, Rachel, who it says in scripture in 3119, Laban had gone to shear his sheep and Rachel stole her father's household gods. So while they were making their getaway, Rachel decides for whatever reason to take her dad's household gods. So scripture's not really clear as to why. Uh, We don't know if she believed that they had the same power um, that her father thought that they had, or we don't know if she was just getting back at her dad. Like maybe she stole them because she was angry with him and she knew how much he loved them and so she took them. Um, But she wouldn't leave them behind and Jacob had no clue that Rachel had them in her possession. So we... um, we find that um, Laban realizes they're gone. He realizes the household gods, gods have been stolen. So he sets out on foot to go find them. He catches up with them. Rachel hides the gods under her saddle and then tells her dad, dad, sorry, I can't get up because I'm on my cycle. And, um, but she was just hiding the gods underneath her. And so Jacob had no clue. Laban was, um, you know, not happy. And so Jacob gives this, you know, um, excuses and and reasons why they've left. And um, it didn't end all that great. But in 32.1, they go on their way, and God sends angels to meet with Jacob to reassure him that he is with him, that he is protecting him, Um, and that he is going to be always present with him. And then Jacob had this moment where he wrestled with God. Um, It says a man, but we know that he actually wrestled with God, and God changes his name to Israel. And then in chapter 33, Esau and Jacob reconcile. And in chapter 34, Jacob, instead of going to Bethel, takes his family to Shechem, And another terrible, terrible family crisis occurs. He's at the bottom again, and he's desperate for God to intervene. And so we're going to pick it up in Genesis 35, 1 through 4. And it says, God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all of the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. So I don't know about you, but there have been plenty of times in my life where I have been on mission to go where God had told me to go. I had been on mission to be obedient, but I would justify certain things. Well, this isn't so bad. So I would indulge. 
well, I didn't really experience much consequences from that, so I'll do this, and this isn't so bad. And soon I'm detoured off of the path that God had originally intended for me. And this is kind of what Jacob's family experienced. They were headed back to Bethel where God said to go, but they decided to go to Shechem instead. And, um, and there his, his daughter was raped. Um, there was a huge um, slaughter. I mean, it was really, really bad. And Jacob is at this really, really low point. And you know, we tend to bring so much pain on our own lives. We tend to bring so much pain into those that are around us when we don't stay on the path that God intended for us. We can get mad at God all that we want. But when we are the ones who choose to be disobedient and take the missteps, it brings so much pain. And so here was Jacob. I mean, just at the bottom. And, um, and God is so faithful to meet us at the bottom. And that's right what he did. It wasn't like God was like, Jacob, I told you you go to Bethel, and you didn't. You went to Shechem, and this bad stuff happened, and so I'm out. Forget it, Jacob. And I think sometimes that's what we believe about God. We believe that if we have stepped into disobedience, that God just like takes his hand off of us and just casts us aside and is done. But that's not the way the God of Jacob works or the God in my life. He is just waiting for us to return. And that's exactly what happened at the bottom God speaks to Jacob and says, Arise, dust yourself off, go to Bethel. And so Jacob takes this moment and he's like, All right, we're going to do this. And family, I'm going to go first. So, family, here's how it's going to go we're going to get rid of all of our idols and gods, we're going to get rid of all of our sin. And we're going to change our clothes. And so if you find yourself today at the place where you have taken a detour, I want to give you three steps to return to God. And they are the exact steps that Jacob has given his family. And can I just say to the men in the room, to the boys in the room, whether you have a family or not, there is something about when the men of God go first. There is something about when the men of God step up to be men of God and say, I'm going to go first to get right with God. I'm going to go first to cleanse myself. I'm going to go first. And it's incredible to see what happens. And Jacob went first. And so step number one, get rid of the foreign gods that are among you. So these had been in Jacob's household for 20 years, and it was time to clean house. Now I realize that some of you are like, Kim, I don't have like little statues in my house that I worship. I hope you don't. If you do, we need to clean house. Um, I realize that some, there are some religious backgrounds that that's very much a part of their religion. But an idol, another god, is anything that we set up in the throne of our heart above Jesus. It's anything, you know, so maybe it's your pursuit of money. Maybe it's your pursuit of success. Maybe 
it's you're holding on to memorabilia from a past relationship that's ungodly. Maybe you're holding on to an ungodly relationship. I mean, the list can go on and on, but there are certainly things in my life and in your life that we can easily worship more than God, that we can easily turn to more than God. And, and we see Jesus in Scripture. He, it's really the only time we see him really get indignant and get righteous anger. I remember hearing this story as a kid and just kind of being afraid of it, but but um, when Jesus goes in and he cleanses the temple, um, it's because he, he knows that like Bethel, for instance, um, when a, a wicked king came into play, he erected um, statues, golden calf statues in Bethel, which made it become Bethhaven, the house of deceit. So Jesus wasn't about to let the house of his father turn back in to a place that was a house of deceit. So in Matthew 21, 12 through 17, we read, And Jesus entered the temple, and he drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. So what's happening in this story is Jesus had not died yet. He had not become the sacrifice of sins. So people were still having to make sacrifices of animals in the temple to atone for their sins. So these pilgrims would come and these um, crooked businessmen who were, um, who were doing ungodly things, they were cheating their customers, they were set up in the temple selling animals to these pilgrims that had come. And so why while it seemed like they were doing a religious activity, it wasn't because they were ripping their customers off. They were using God's house and something that was supposed to be godly and for something for profit and, um, and to cheat them. And so Jesus was, he was mad. He was upset, and so he comes in, and he's like, no, no, no. My house, my father's house will not become this, not on my watch. And so he goes in and just cleans house. But what I love is when Jesus cleans house, miracles happen. When Jesus cleans house, healings happen. And we see this right after he cleaned house, healings occurred in the temple. And it became the place that God had always um, originally, you know, planned for. And the same happens in our own lives. When we clean our homes, and I'm not talking about maybe it is our physical homes that we need to get rid of some ungodly things in. But I'm talking today more about our temples, our hearts, our souls. When we cleanse our hearts and our souls and our minds of the ungodly things, miracles are able to happen. The second thing um, I want to talk about is, this, is this, 
thing to do is purify yourselves. So not only get rid of the things that are tripping you up, but get rid of the sin. You know, Jacob's family followed when Jacob decided, I'm going to consecrate my life before the Lord. And um, the fact is, is there anyone that's perfect in here? Raise your hand. Good, good job. You did correctly. Okay. Um, The fact is, is we all sin, right? We all need Jesus. We all, without him, are totally lost um, because none of us have arrived at perfection. And um, the thing I love about King David, reading him in scripture, is he's constantly, even though he was a man after God's own heart, David knew and was very aware that when he bought into his own press, I'm king, I'm man after God's own heart, I've got this, David messed up big time. And that's what happens when we believe our own press. When we believe, I'm a good girl, I'm a good guy, I got this. And we say things like, well, I would never. Um, We easily fall into sin and traps that the enemy so deceitfully sets for us, and we end up on a path. And so David, throughout Scripture, throughout the Psalms, you see him just crying out to God and saying, God, cleanse me. Heal me, search me, know me, show me the things in my life that aren't pleasing to you. And David could safely go to the Father because he knew God wasn't waiting to just kick him into hell. And I think when we have a wrong view of God, I think when we view God in the light of if I mess up or if I pray something like God search me, we're afraid of what he'll find because we already know our stuff. We're afraid that he's going to shun us or expose us. But instead, he's such a loving father that's like, no, give me your stuff and I've got plans for you. I've got a plan of redemption and healing for you. And so Jacob was like, family, we're going to get rid of the sin. We're going to purify ourselves. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, With promises like this to pull us on, dear friends, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. You know, we can, God can shine a light on an area in our heart that we need to deal with, but so often... Um, we're like, oh, but God, not that. Like, you can expose the other areas of my heart and clean it, God, but I want to hold on to that. And, um, and God is saying, like, we have to make a clean break with everything that keeps us hung up, with everything that isn't godly. Um, James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. See, the promise is, is that when we ask God to purify us, when we ask God to heal us, he draws near. He doesn't push us away. He says, come close. I've got you. Um, So as a teenager, um, those of you in the room that are like under, I don't know, 15, like there's these things called CDs. 
don't know if you know about them, but they exist. And as a teenager in um, like youth camp and, and youth group, we would have these big like CD burning parties. So like these purification parties, like come bring all of your ungodly stuff and let's burn it. So we had these big trash cans. How many of you ever did this? Raise your hand. Am I the one? Yes. Thank you. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. Um, so this is what Ricky plans on doing at youth camp. I'm just kidding. Not going to happen. You're all going to burn your iPhones. I'm kidding. Sign up. Sign up. Um, so we had these big trash cans. So we had had this purification night. It wasn't called purification night, but it was like, that's what it was. We bring all of our like bad t-shirts and bad CDs and all of the things and just light them on fire. So while that's a good concept, I'm not, we're not going to be burning your stuff next week. Don't worry. But what would happen is we'd have this big moment where we'd be like, God, we give everything to you. And those are important moments. But what would happen is we'd be like two weeks later, oh, I really miss that CD. I really miss that music. And we go to the store and buy another one. You know, like, some of us wonder why we keep going around the same mountain of sin over and over and over and over again. Because it's we do the first two steps, but then we don't do the third, which is change your clothes. And changing clothes simply means a reorienting of your life. It simply means changing directions. So you can do the first two steps, but if you're not willing to literally change your route, if you're not willing to go to Bethel, then you're going to keep going around the same mountain of defeat over and over and over again. You know, when y'all really do need to read Jed's story. I, I have told his story so many times. First of all, like, if I, full disclosure, we were on staff with them at our last church in Oklahoma City, and Jed was the only pastor I had ever been around or served on staff with that was an ex-felon <laughs> that had ever served hard prison time. Um, Y'all can laugh at that. We, we have that relationship. But um, Jed has an incredible story of just life change. I mean, he was sentenced to very long in prison, very long. And God radically changed his life and changed his story. And Jed decided, I'm going to go to Bethel because I know where the other path got me. I'm going to go to Bethel. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And, and he reoriented his life. It's kind of like the woman that the religious leaders bring. They catch her in the act of adultery. And they bring her to Jesus. And they say, Jesus, she deserves to be stoned for her sin. And Jesus says, let those without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, they walk away. And he says to the woman, look, where are your accusers? But Jesus doesn't leave it there. He doesn't say, where are your accusers? And then keep going on with your life as was. No, he says, where are your accusers? Go and sin no more. Go and reorient your life. 
Go and change directions. Quit hanging around the people that you once hung around with. Quit, quit um, being involved in the unhealthy relationships that you were once involved with. Quit sometimes listening to the music that you once listened to. I know y'all think that I like, like, oh, Kim, she only has ever listened to worship music all of the days of her life. And um, I didn't. And some of you know my story, but... Um, I listen to really, really bad music. Um, and if y'all are of my generation, I told you, you'd be like, oh, I can't listen to that, like I did. Um, and so when I gave my life to Jesus, like full on at 17, I got rid, I was, I like purged my life of anything ungodly. Some of it I threw in the trash. Some of it I gave to my little sister. Bad idea. So, but... <laughs> bad idea. Um, don't do that. Just get rid of it. Um, but I, I knew I had to reorient my life. And Ephesians 4, through 24 says, take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. See, the fact is, is Jacob knew he needed to go to Bethel. He knew that was his steps of obedience towards God. But he detoured for 20 to 30 years. I don't know most of your stories in this room. Maybe you are on a current detour where you have just taken some missteps and you find yourself in a place of, I don't know how I got here. And maybe it's been a week. Maybe it's been 20 years like Jacob. But the beautiful thing is, is that God never took his hand off of Jacob. He never said, Jacob, what you have done has caused my plan for your life to be null and void. In verse 3 of um, chapter 35 that I had read, Jacob says, he is the God who has never left me. Even while I detoured, he was with me. His presence was with me. And so we're going to serve him. We're going to go to Bethel because he did not abandon me. And God appears to Jacob again when he arrives at Bethel and he blesses him. And I believe that there are some of you in this room today and are watching online that Maybe you've taken that detour, and maybe previously God has spoken some promises over your life, and you think, there's no way his promises can work out for me now. That's just not true. That's not the God I serve, and that's not the God of Jacob, because what we see in Scripture is Jacob takes this detour, and while he can't undo the family pain that his family has gone through, God meets him back at Bethel. And he said, Jacob, the promises I spoke over you 20 to 30 years ago, those are still true. They're not gone. I was just waiting for you to return. Jacob, the name I gave you, Israel, it's the name I'm going to call you again today because it's who I say you are that has not changed. And so I just want to speak over you today. The promises of God are not null or void over your life. 
but your job is to return. When you simply take the step to return, he says, welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. The promises are still true today. The name I have given you is still in effect today, and it's never too late to return to your first love. I am so thankful for that. Because I knew at the age of 13 that I was called to ministry. And I took some big missteps. But God said, no, Kim. My plans are still true. My promises are still true. See, in closing, I would like to tell you that Bethel remained the house of God. But just like I had mentioned earlier, King Jeroboam came in and he erected these golden calves to worship. And so that's when Hosea, in contempt, um, renamed it Beth Haven, House of Deceit. But then King Josiah, king of Judah, came in and he said, no, 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 this is Bethel, House of God. And he got rid of every ounce of idolatry in that place, tearing down the altar in the high place that King Jeroboam had built and reestablished it back to the house of God. So I don't know what your path is. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe, maybe you're on the right path. But can I tell you that we need to every day be becoming before the Lord and saying, God, what is in my heart? What is in my mind that isn't pleasing to you? Because if we get so confident that we're on the right path, but we're not asking those questions and we're not asking the Holy Spirit to search us, we are going to be the ones that say, I don't know how I got here. So every single one of us, no matter how strong your relationship with Jesus, I guarantee that if you have an intimate, strong relationship with Jesus, it's questions you're already asking him every day. And maybe you're in this room and you once followed, but you've taken some missteps, you're on the detour, or maybe you've never made that decision before. It's never too late as long as you have breath in your lungs. Beyond that, it is. But as long as you still have breath in your lungs, Jesus is just saying, return, return, come. I'm waiting. The promises and the dreams that I have for you are still here. Just return. And so for those of you in the room today, I just want to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads and no looking around. And those of you online, I want you to do the same thing you can look around, though, if you want to. But um, I want you to, first of all, just ask yourself, God, is there anything that I need to be cleansed of? Is there anything in my life that I need to purify myself of that's not pleasing to you? I want to make sure that you really do that and take that away from this message. But the second thing is for those of you who have said, I once lived for God, but I've taken a detour and I'm on a path that I never dreamed and I'm ready to return. Or maybe you say today, Kim, I've never followed Jesus, but today I want to make him Lord of my life. If you're 
either wanting to return, you've been on a detour and you're wanting to return, or you want to make Jesus Lord of your life for the very first time today, if you're in the room, I just want you to raise your hand and no one's looking around, just signifying that you want to make that decision today. Yeah, I see you in the back. I see you on the right. You can put your hands down. I see you in the balcony. So whether you're watching online, if you watched online and you, you're saying, I want to make that decision, you can let us know in the chat. And um, we want, there's prayer team available to pray for you. But I just want everyone to pray and repeat this prayer after me today. Dear Jesus, I need you. Cleanse me. Purify me. Forgive me of my sins. Bring me back to Bethel. Bring me life. Bring me healing. I choose to follow you all of the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just celebrate with those that gave their lives to Jesus today? We are so proud of you if you made that decision and we want to follow up with you whether you're watching online or you're here in this room um, you can text the word different to the number 94,000 if you're in the room today we have Bibles and a, and a, a sheet of next steps to give you as you leave today um, you can also if you're in the room fill out the salvation card that is in the seat back in front of you and hand that in as you leave today at our exits but I'm so proud of you and just so grateful for your decision. Um, so we don't have prayer team available here in the room, but just because we want to continue to keep everyone healthy, um, but we want to pray for you and we do pray for you um, every single day. And so we just encourage you to submit your prayer needs to prayer at summitpa.church. There's also a prayer form online. If you're watching online, you can hit the connect card and fill that out and submit your prayer request or our prayer team. If you're watching on church online, you can click live prayer chat and they are right there waiting to pray with you one-on-one. Um, but I just want you to know that we love you more than you know, and we really are so honored to get to be your pastors. And I hope that you have a wonderful day.